The information presented in this program is not intended as legal, health, or nutritional advice. All topics are provided for informational purposes only and are not necessarily endorsed. Neither Light On nor its host accepts responsibility for any statements, views, or opinions presented in this episode. All rights reserved. It feels like all our heroes are coming. We all know why. Painful enough to pretend. The world itself is just one big hoax. Okay. So I'm talking to Carrie Kay today, and I guess it's best to start with a little bit of a of a background and introduction, if you don't mind. Um, I understand that you had quite the experiences as a child, and so so what led you to talk about what you talk about today (laughs) as a child I was very sick and uh, I was so sick that I spent more time in hospital than I did at home that was for any given year from pretty much the age of two to the age of 12 so I became a regular at the hospital I knew the nurses and the staff better than I knew my own family so it was a very Mm -hmm. sick childhood and what the experience gave me was time lots of time being spent on the other side of the veil because that's where I was. I was permanently in this in-between life and death space and I would get so sick that I could feel myself leaving my body and I could feel the relief sometimes of leaving my body and I could feel myself hovering above my body and then invariably something would happen and I would come back in. So my experience in that in-between state was this is real life. That's what it felt like. It felt like the most alive state of being was when I was so-called dying. And then when I would come back into body, which was called recovery, which was called getting better, I felt so lifeless then. Because what I didn't understand at the time was I was going beyond the veil into the organic creation template that we all come from and then coming back into the false matrix. It was that journey that I kept making time and time again that led me to understand the contrast between those two worlds and how much of an illusion this world actually is. So it gave me a bird's eye view of both worlds. And that's where that's where it all began. That's where the perspectives and the insight and what I would consider to be my true training ground, that was really the opening stages of it. And it carried on from there. You know, when I started getting better sort of teenage years into my early 20s, then a new phenomenon started where I had already carved that connection with the me that existed beyond the veil. And then from about my teens into my early 20s, actually still ongoing till today, I gained the friendship and the counsel of beings that I would call the galactics. The galactic beings are non-terrestrial beings. They are fifth dimensional and beyond. And these beings gave me so much wisdom and understanding, but in a very, very specific way. They didn't arrive to tell me, listen, Kerry, these are the answers to life. Instead, they arrived to show me, listen, Kerry, you already have the answers to life. Let's show you how to access them so that you can teach others to do the same. 
So that was my journey. That's it in a nutshell. Very sick childhood, very interesting uh, early adulthood, and all of that led me to do what I'm doing today. These beings, um, would you describe them as angelic beings, like that people generally hear about? How would you describe? Because I hear, you know, I've heard a lot about that. This is like, you know, throughout even the new age circles and stuff. And a lot of people are sort of like leery of that whole thing. Um, yeah. How would you describe them? And they should be, by the way, just, <laughs> just to cover that base, they should be because there is so much, this is one of the things I teach about. There is so much misinformation out there in the spiritual community. A lot of it comes under the guise of an umbrella term called the new age movement. And not everything in the new age movement is bad because, you know, the new age movement, like anything has to have seeds of truth interwoven into it. Anything, right, even sure. a religion, it has to have seeds of truth. So you cannot throw the baby out of the bathwater, you know, and say, oh, it's all rotten. But there's a lot in there that is sheer craziness, as far as I'm concerned. And the perspective that I learned and that I come from is you have to listen to your own self. And we can make it about the beings. You know, we can talk about the angelics because there's a really interesting story about who the angelic beings actually are uh, and how they fell from grace and how they returned to grace and how that influenced us. And just to answer your question, no, I didn't uh, ever connect with angelic beings. But that's never going to be the real point of our evolution. We have to become the point of our evolution. And we can go into debate with each other. This being is real. And Archangel Michael said this. And I don't mm -hmm. know, Mother, whoever said that. And, and, and those are just not conversations that I even engage in because what genuinely, what is the point of that? When we are each here to find our own truth, that's it. Mm -hmm. We're here to find our own truth. And you know, any being can pose by any name. So for example, right. a being can come to you and come to me and say, I'm God, <laughs> you know, let's, let's just hop, skip and jump past Archangel Michael and just go straight for gold. And, and a being can come to you and say, Hey, I'm God. I've, I've, I've come because you're special and you're amazing and mm -hmm. you've got a gift to give the world. There's a lot of people that don't understand how treacherous and how laden with trickster beings realms like the astral realm actually are right so you know the, the the really really important thing that i learned is don't ever make it about the others and 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 they never let me do that they never ever let me sit with them and give my power to them and say okay guys you must lead the way now mm -hmm. never and and that's what i teach people today is how could you stand your own ground as a being because ultimately what are we we are galactic beings ourselves you know here i'm i'm, I'm referring to these non-terrestrial beings that's my name i give them i call them the galactics but that actually includes us too because we're we're so segmented and fragmented and defined by these very small labels so i would define myself perhaps as a south african and you may define yourself as an american and and we can all have these labels but we're earthlings and 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 even that is a small label for who we are the truth is we are beings multi-dimensional infinite beings of consciousness but the trick is to connect with that version of self 
in a very real way where it's not pie in the sky fantasy. It's not like, oh, well, you know, I, <laughs> I'm bringing through these kind of enchanted fairy tales because a lot of it sounds that way. When yeah. you hear people's channeling, a lot of it sounds like unicorns and rainbows and all the pretty frilly stuff, which is pretty. It's undeniably pretty. If somebody talks to me about unicorns, it is pretty, but it's not real. And unicorns could very well be real in another dimension, just to be clear. But I'm talking about, <laughs> you know, that that frilliness, that, I, that frilliness, it's just there for the show. And I feel like we're at a point in our evolution where we've got to get so authentic with who we are and make life about who we are and not all of the externals. Not the external people, not the external teachings, not the external prophecies, not the external fears, but honestly, truly to stabilize into our inner sanctuary and therefore into our inner wisdom. How often do you see people turning to everybody else saying, what must I do? You know, it's kind of like giving their power away. At every conceivable term, turn, what do I do? You must tell me, you must. And then, of course, when it doesn't work out, then people feel as if they've got someone to blame. You know, they'll say, oh, my, my therapist said this or my doctor said that and they were wrong. What did they know? But ultimately, life is teaching us all one very big lesson. It's the answers are really there, but they are within. And we do have to take that inner journey. That's a good that's a good message. And that's exactly what I wanted to get across because um yeah, I think a lot of people are leery of that stuff because it's like giving away your power and your responsibility mm. and, and, and all that. Absolutely. So this this matrix obviously has a dark side to it. Can you talk to me a little bit about um who or what created this matrix? Why are we mm. experiencing a lot of darkness here and especially mm. if there are like you know light beings that are that are yeah. on our side yeah i think it's a big question um like mm -hmm. so many people ask that question why was this ever allowed because when i explain the detail of it it leaves people scratching their head with that one question why was it ever allowed and i'll i'll come to it in the end but let me start by addressing the first part of your question why is there so much darkness here the answer is because we live in an inverted matrix so let me backtrack for a second what does matrix mean a matrix is a reality there are many different matrices because sometimes people hear the word matrix and then they go oh wait i, I saw the movie uh slash documentary and that's got to be a bad thing i don't want to be in the matrix a matrix there are beautiful matrices they are matrices designed by God's source creator consciousness itself. And in those matrices, there is love and there is harmony and there is peace and there is sovereignty and all these things that we would love to experience. But conversely, there are matrices known as the false matrix. That's the one that we're in right now. We're in a false matrix. So what makes it false and who made it false? There are many beings involved in the story, and the story is a big one, but for the sake of time, I'm going to just condense portions of it. When God's source creator consciousness initially set about creating all that is, in other words, when creation began, it began with God's source creator consciousness using the only thing 
that there was to create with, which is itself. At this point, people often ask me, okay, Carrie, you're so smart. Who created God? My children have asked me that question as well. Who created God? Huh? 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 No one created God because God exists outside of creation. God is the always was, always will be. But God decided, you know, there's this wonderful thing called expansion. And nothing is more thrilling to a being of light than growth. Nothing fills us with more ecstasy and bliss and joy than the idea of evolving ourselves and growing, particularly to a being who has already grown. In other words, is already all that they can be. That's what God's source creator consciousness is. So this supreme power came to realization. If I individuate and break myself down into parts of me, such as dark, such as light, and I allow these individual components, you could call them, of me, to separate and have individual journeys, then they can come back to me, in other words, come back home to me and be more than they left as. That was the whole purpose of creation. There were beings that elected to take on the role of darkness. Equally, there were beings that elected to take on the role of light and beings who elected to take on the role of in between dark and light. This was a whole big exercise with so many beings taking so many different roles from the angelics to the dragon folk to the beings such as you and I. The beings of darkness were there to catalyze the light because that's really what darkness is always going to do. It's going to make you uncomfortable. And when you're uncomfortable, you're going to be pushed and you're going to grow. These beings of darkness became so corrupted by the darkness that they began to feel I'm better than and bigger than the original God source creator consciousness that created me. In fact, we don't need God source creator consciousness because they didn't want to reintegrate. They didn't want to go back home to the original source creation that they'd come from. They really wanted the superiority that separation gave them. And they wanted to ensure the continuation of that separation. That was the birthplace of the false matrix. That thought which is one that's purely psychopathic. It's so corrupt. It's so delusional. But that's what these beings initiated. When they rejected the home that they'd come from, in other words, the place of light called God's source creator consciousness, when they rejected that and they roll with that, what they did effectively is they rejected the light within them and thereby they lost their ability to create. So now they're, they're in a quandary because now they're saying, okay, we're going to create our own universe, but damn it, we can't create anymore. So what do we do? These are very intelligent beings, highly, highly intelligent beings. So they said, not a problem. If we can't create, we can engineer. If we can't create, we can manipulate. We can take beings who can create. That's where you and I come in. That's what you and I are. We are creator beings. <laughs> But the objective was, can we get these creative beings to not know that they're creative? Can we get these beings to do our bidding, basically, on our behalf and carry out the creations that we want, because we can't do it ourselves, but never know that they're doing it? Could we, could we find that balance where, and, and it is quite a, a, an intricate balance where you've got to have somebody not totally unplugged from their divinity, but at the same time, not able to access 
the memory of who they are. Because then, of course, the game is up. The game is over. And they did that. They did that with us. So, so they, the they're Matrix responsible. Sorry, for, they're responsible for sort of wiping our memory here. Yeah, although I wouldn't call it a memory wipe. What it is, mm -hmm. is a disconnection to our divinity, which okay. results in us. We could call it a, mem a memory wipe. It results in us not being able to access the totality of who we are. And it gives us a very narrow, oh, phew, narrow is not even the word. It gives us a tiny, tiny fragment of self to tune into and define as this is me. This is the totality of me. So the person that we see in the mirror is a fragment. But I mean it, the tiniest fragment of who we actually are in our vast multidimensional totality. But we're so disconnected from that, that we hold no memory of it. We hold no familiarity with it. For all that we know, the person we see when we look in the mirror is all that we are. And we behave that way. We act that way. We say things like, Oh, I am, for example, let's just use any star sign here. I'm a Libra. And therefore, my personality traits are blah, 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 blah. That could be very true in that tiny fragment. But what we've lost is our ability to be the totality. And when we regain that, when we regain our ability to tune into who we actually are versus the fragment that we can currently connect with right now, then we begin to see everything that I was told about the false matrix was false. That's what makes it a false matrix. It's a lie. You've heard this many times, I'm sure. Your listeners have heard this many times, I'm sure. And that is, it's all a lie. It's all a lie. But we don't understand and we can't understand how deep that lie actually goes because it's all we know. It's all we can see. And what we're limited to is interaction with that which our eyes can perceive. And here's the crazy thing. Our eyes can perceive way, way less than 1% of the visible yeah. light bandwidth. 0.0035%. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Wait, wait, wait. Tell me the numbers again. Zero point? 0.0035%. I love it. 99% sure that's correct. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it because... It, it, we are legally blind. We are legally blind, but operating with the arrogance that we can see everything, you know, and operating with the arrogance that says, if I can't see it, it's not real and it doesn't exist. When you see so much less than 1% of yeah. the light spectrum, you're, you're, you're missing out. You're missing out on a whole lot of life out I, there. I always laugh because, you know, people have these arguments about, you know, what the earth is, the shape and, and all this stuff. And I'm like, really? You know, I know. Well, who knows with, with with our perception, you know, what it really looks like because yeah. <laughs> yeah. we don't we're, we're blind. Like Absolutely. you said. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, uh, Patrick, you asked me the second part of the question. I didn't yes. get answered. And it was right. an important point. Why was this allowed to happen? Yes. <laughs> A lot of people are going to jump up at this point and go, no, she's wrong. It can't be. It was allowed to happen because we agreed. We agreed. Initially, we came in to this playground, this false matrix, because it was very enticing. Because in the false matrix, we were offered possibilities that were not available anywhere else. And that was, who would you be if you had absolute amnesia? 
And it's a very interesting question, actually, if you do consider it like, what, what would I think of myself if I had amnesia, if I had absolute loss of memory for who I was? I didn't even know what my name was. What would I feel like? I would lose all my biases and my prejudices. Would I remember my beautiful traits? Would I remember my talents? I don't know. So we are beings of self-discovery. That's what excites and ignites us. So here was a potential for self-discovery that we hadn't had access to before. So the first wave of volunteers came in because this looked like an exciting invitation and issued with the invitation was an exit clause, so to speak. And the exit clause was you can leave at any time because the truth is we can. But to leave, we must reconnect with our divinity. And when we do, we stop being a blind, unconscious pawn of the false matrix. We start becoming a sovereign, multidimensional being once again. And that's when we can say things like, oh, I'm in this world, but not of this world. And that's when you really become a powerful creator being on this planet because you're no longer at the mercy of the so-called puppet masters of this planet, you've become your own authority, you've become your own leadership. And what happens then is you would conclude your life with that sentiment. You would conclude your life by knowing I am beyond this and I am going beyond this at my so-called death. I am reviving back to the memory that I came from initially. So that was the exit clause. But we didn't take into account that the amnesia was going to be so deep that we would even forget that there was an exit clause that we would even forget to ask to leave, that we would even forget that there was anything wrong in the first place. The amnesia was so pervasive that we believed, I am all that there is, and this is all that there is, and nothing exists beyond this world. The second wave of volunteers came in and said, uh-oh, those guys are stuck. Those guys that volunteered, to participate in the experiment, they're stuck. And actually, there's a much deeper story. Just time prevents me from going too deep into it. There's an even deeper story about these volunteers. But nonetheless, the second wave came in and they said, these first waivers, they got stuck. So we'll come in into the human form and remind them who they are. We call these people star seeds. They hold a memory of something beyond the place that they're in right now, some state of being that's higher than the one that they're in right now. Some will call themselves light workers, star seeds. Doesn't, it honestly doesn't matter what names they Why give. Why do they call them star seeds? Because these people believe that they are not of earth origin. That's why they call themselves star seeds. Okay. Because they believe there's something that they're really connecting with their galactic self. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. And they're not identifying with the earth self. So they use that terminology star seed. It's not wrong and right and good and bad. I get why they call themselves that. To me, everyone is galactic. And I teach everybody, drop the damn labels because none of them matter and just mm -hmm. be the totality of you. But nonetheless, that was the second wave. And guess what? They failed. That mission plummeted and they began to join the first wave of volunteers in total forgetfulness. The third wave, the fourth wave, the fifth wave, I don't know, to be dead honest with you, I don't know how many waves of volunteers came in, each one of them on a rescue mission. And the so-called rescue mission was, I will come in to a human body because that's the only thing we can listen to. We can have direct 
access to a being of higher consciousness and not hear it because we are so out of phase with higher dimensions that we can't hear, can't see them. So we need to get our wake up calls from other earth beings in other earth bodies. Eventually, eventually enough beings came in to get it right, to hold enough divinity in their body to be the ripple of awakening for the collective, to be the ripple that now makes it possible for others within the collective to experience what they would call a spiritual awakening, what they would call remembering who they are. And again, it doesn't matter what words we call it. It's exactly the same thing. It is a frequency. There are people on the planet right now able to hold a frequency in their body that allows others to meet and match the same frequency. And that is how we overcome that sleepfulness or that amnesia. Mm -hmm. okay. Some people uh, talk about the fall, Carrie. Does that mean yeah. anything to you? Like fall, that we fell into matter and they really see this as like a a prison or an accident that we didn't uh that we didn't agree to this and and you know they push back with um you know why would i agree to to a place with such pain and and you know murder rape all the horrible things that go on here what do, what do you say to to people like that and and does that term the the fall mean anything to you i know it's also biblical as well right Oh, yeah. But, you know, like I said earlier, there's so many grains of truth that have to be interwoven into religion, into New Age movements, etc., etc. So there, there really was the fall. There really was such a thing. And what it describes is the fall of consciousness. Because if you really think about it, where did we originate? We originated as God's source creator. We originated from pure mm -hmm. divine consciousness. So that means that in order to either experience murder or be the murderer whichever way around it goes we must drop frequency to have these experiences that's called the fall so the fall is not really we we, we tend to think of it as a bad thing uh it's it's uh, a painful thing but pain is not necessarily bad so many people look at what we've got here on planet Earth. Like you just said, there's murder, there's rape, there's all this stuff. I mean, I live in South Africa. It's crime capital of the world. Mm. There's so much craziness that goes on here, right? So you do question. It's a very human thing to try to make sense of this. But you cannot make sense of something that is so big, so beyond linearity. The best I can do is say the following to you. We fell in frequency. That's the fall. In order to first participate in creation itself. But we fell to varying degrees. So some beings said, I'll take on the fall, but I'm only going to fall that much. In other words, I'm going to maintain much of my original frequency. And others of us, I call us the overachievers, we said, no, 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 I'm going to go all the way down because then I get to build all the way up. And the perspective of the soul, please let me reiterate, I'm not saying the perspective of a human because I'm human, I understand the perspective of a human. The perspective of a soul, which is an infinite thing, an infinite thing that cannot be harmed, cannot be killed, cannot suffer. The perspective of the soul is the only thing that suffering does is evolve my human aspect. It pushes my human aspect out of their comfort zone and beyond their stuck places. So the soul is not afraid of what we perceive as darkness. 
And what we perceive as darkness and wrongness is really the catalyst that brings us into higher alignment. Is it nice? No. Do I open my arms and say, yes, pain, baby, come, I want you. No, I'm just as human as you are. I'm going to cry and say, why me? Mm-hmm. But there is something within me that understands. There is something within me that knows. Take my childhood of illness. I, I did that in my childhood. Why, am I, why can't I go playing with my friends? Why can't I be like everybody else? Oh, why is my life so hard? But look at the gift. Look at the gift in all of that suffering that was opened up for me. And this is the case for all of us. If we stop being the victim, which takes a lot, but if we'll dare to stop being the victim, then we can be the master. And the truth is that the universe, honestly, and when I say the universe, you can use the words God or you can use the words the universe. It just doesn't matter what words you prefer. The universe and its intelligence doesn't care how long it takes a person to grow. It just doesn't. It just doesn't. It's going to say, baby, you take your time. You take 25 million lifetimes or you take 25 seconds. It just doesn't matter because we all have free will. That's also part of that answer to the question earlier. Why was this allowed to happen? Because free will governs our universe. We have free will to be a victim. We have free will to be a master. It's not that one is good and bad, right and wrong. It's just choice. And the fall enabled us to be in a position to make these choices, to be at the lowest low. And from the lowest low, we then have an opportunity that beings up there do not have. And that is to grow from the ground level back up again, which allows for an expansion of consciousness that cannot otherwise be attained. I learned this from beings who had only ever had memory of themselves as fifth, sixth, and seventh dimensional beings. So what this means is these are beings, in your and my terminology, we would say to ourselves, they've never suffered. That's what we would say. And we'd probably be quite right, certainly by human terms. We'd say they've never suffered. You know what the crazy thing is? When you connect with beings like this, oh, yeah, they're beautiful. Oh, yeah, they're wise. They're, they're healers. They're loving. They're all these gorgeous things, right? But what they explained to me from their own inner being was, man, we look at you guys on planet Earth and we think you've got such a beautiful ride. We, we, we do not have your opportunity to grow. We only have this one raw material that we get to constantly work from. And the raw material that we've got to work from is harmony. That's it. That's what we've got. That's our clay that we get to model and create life with. It's this one thing, this one bandwidth, it's this one frequency. So what that does is, yes, it prevents us from suffering, but it also prevents us from growing. So it keeps us kind of locked. We would describe it as having a ceiling over us, right? It keeps us locked in a certain bandwidth. Whereas you guys on planet Earth, oh, baby, you know suffering, you know trauma, you know all these bad things. But because of that, You're working with so much raw material. You're working with clay that we're never going to have access to. So you can build anything. You can create anything. And that means you can elevate beyond where we're able to elevate to. You can grow beyond where we're able to grow to. So we may look at them and say, oh, they're so wise. They're so godly. They're so divine. They look at us and say they have such potential. They don't have that potential. 
So why do bad things happen? Well, this is part of what we chose. This is how we chose to grow. But we don't intellectualize the pain that we experience here, essentially, like over as there. The, as the soul being, we do not ever operate in the realm of intellect. Right. From the higher perspective, so when you are now in, let's just say, a fifth dimensional perspective, those beings look at what we call intellect as a limitation. Because there's something way beyond intellect, which is wisdom, and that's where they operate from. So it's almost like an ability to continually see the bigger picture, to be cognizant of yourself within creation as a part of creation. Here on planet Earth, we're so small and we're so limited that all we have is intellect and all we have is the awareness of me, myself, my world. So no, they don't intellectualize this at all. You mentioned free will before. Mm -hmm. uh, would you say there are any restrictions to free will? Because some people say that there are, or you can only operate within certain parameters. Um, yeah. What do you think about that? And also, I wanted to ask you as a separate question, uh, why we've, we've discussed a lot about the a reincarnation trap that goes on. Why do people recycle here? Uh, is that part of the dark agenda? Yeah. Definitely, definitely. So in terms of that reincarnation trap, that's part of what is being dismantled as the false matrix is dismantled because the false matrix needed to keep its fuel source available. We are the fuel source. That's why the reincarnation trap was there. It was to prevent us ever leaving. We could always leave, but we had to have that divine ignition of consciousness in order to leave. Without that, we were just going to go back into that recycling so basically the recycling of of human potential and remember that's what we are we are the potential so they couldn't ever let us they couldn't ever risk letting us grow they couldn't ever risk letting us volunteer to come back or not so then to that question that you asked are there parameters to free will there's definitely parameters and they're careful uh, to not totally overstep and when I say they, I'm talking about these dark beings who initiated the false matrix to begin with. They're very careful to stay just, just inside the parameters. And those parameters are everything that occurs must occur with the buy-in of the person. That's one of the reasons why we have to spend money on things. You've got to buy into it. You've got to buy into your medical treatments. So that you don't say, it was just given to me. No, no, no. You've got to buy it. You've got to buy in because that signals your permission. And if you look at what goes on on planet Earth, most of it happens with money. So we are buying in. We are permissioning something. So free will is uh, something that is very, very important, but very, very manipulated. It can only be manipulated so far. And it's, it's pushed right there, right to the limit of how far it can be manipulated. Where we are right now, though, is at a point where the galactics, so these are these beings of higher consciousness, and they really do support us. They honestly do. They are here as support beings. They've looked at what's taken place since the beginning of this experiment. Because remember what I said to you, some of us chose to come in at the ground level. But what I didn't say to you is many of us chose to stay here as observers and overseers, 
like an oversight body, right? But of course they have to be invisible because <laughs> the false matrix kind of thrives on this idea that we're separate and alone. Nonetheless, these observers, these galactic beings, they have shared with me that where we are right now is God. God's source creator consciousness has said enough, just enough of the manipulation, enough of the trickery, enough of the coercion, enough of the manipulation to this level. You see, what we're doing here on this planet at this time is so much bigger than your and my individual life. What we're doing on the planet at this time is we are attempting to do something so radical that affects the entire cosmos, and that is to completely eradicate the false matrix, not just here on planet Earth, but to completely eradicate the possibility and potentiality of other false matrices even occurring where this level of coercion exists, where this level of manipulation exists, because this oversight body has looked at all of it and said, this just isn't okay. You know, we know these cases in court, right? We know where someone's gotten away with something because it was legal, but it wasn't right. This is very much what these dark beings do. They get away with stuff because they say, we told them they didn't have to buy it, but there they went and bought it. Nothing we buy we into the do. legal system completely. That's their system, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You see, and we're so quick to throw our hands up and go, I had no choice. That's the famous line of the human beings. I had no choice. We've always, always got a choice. And that's a very difficult thing for a human being to actually come to terms with. It's a radical understanding. What does she mean? I've always got a choice because sometimes something can be forced upon me. Is she saying if I'm raped, I had a choice? No, but you have a choice as to how you deal with it at some level. At some level, you've got choice. And are you going to exercise that choice? So there's no two ways about it that the false matrix has taken advantage of the law of free will. There's no two ways about it. And what we've done is we've said, along with God's source, creator consciousness, along with the galactic beings, to hell with it. Enough. Enough of this level of manipulation. This is not what we were sold. What we were sold was, hey, guys, come and play in this playground. You can leave at any time. That's what we were sold. That's what brought us here to planet Earth. And remember, we're infinite beings. So we're not going to go, oh, God, we got stuck here for a couple of million years. Instead, we're going to go, Phew, that was a journey. Let's move on. That's honestly what the soul's going to do. At the end of all of this, the soul's going to go, what a journey. Okay, let's go. What next? But our intention from the higher perspective, and I speak for everybody that's involved on the planet and around the planet, in the upliftment of the planet, what we're doing is collapsing the false matrix in its entirety because it's so unjust. It's permissible, but unjust. Mm -hmm. And how do, there are various timelines. Do you believe there are various timelines and how do they play into all this? So I've got a video on my YouTube channel called Timeline Wars, because that's a very real thing. There are many, many timelines. And remember the, what I said to you earlier, we're so tiny, so small, so fragmented in our intellect, in our understanding, in our vision, in everything. We believe that time is one constant stream. You know? A week starts on a Monday and ends on a Sunday. In our mind, that's, that's just how it is. Mm -hmm. But the truth is, 
into, and I'm going to use that example, in a Monday, for example, 10 weeks worth of information, which means 10 weeks worth of growth, can be injected into a Monday, then Monday stops being just one single day. It starts being a quantum field. And that's the nature of time. Time is a quantum field. We've made it very, very linear. And everything that we make linear, we're going to land up misunderstanding. But the nature of time is that it's a very non-linear thing. So there's this thing called timeline wars. And what the timeline wars were about was control. They were factions of the dark group of beings that wanted control of the false matrix. They were fighting among themselves to keep control of the timeline because various factions of darkness wanted control at various times. And part of those timeline wars also was keeping humanity from waking up. So every time there was, say, for example, a leader of consciousness or people started to see through the lies, they started to even perhaps see through the veil. Anytime that happened, they would interject maybe a cataclysmic event or something would happen to steer people back into fear away from consciousness. They could manipulate and take time backwards, forwards, minus a thousand years, plus a thousand years. You're going to wake up tomorrow as if it's legitimately tomorrow. In your mind, because you're linear, this is what you perceive time to be. But in the background, these timeline wars have been playing out for time immemorial. It's one of the many tools of the dark forces. Uh, where we're at right now, however, is a very interesting place. We're at a time where all the timelines are converging. So we've heard this expression, right, about the eye of the needle. Um, there's also an expression about the eye of the storm. We are at a point right now where everything is coming into a very closed space. Timelines are all collapsing. This, by the way, is what people call the Mandela effect. They call it the Mandela effect because what's happening is all of the timelines collapse and they're holding a multitude of different memories, a multitude of different play outs of the same circumstance, and they're all coming into one pool. And when they collapse into this one pool, we have these anomalies where I might remember a song in a certain way, but you remember it differently. And you'll mm -hmm. say, no, Kerry, the movie ended like this. And I'll say, no, it ended like that. That's just because we hold different memories of, of different timelines. But they must all purify, which is what they're doing right now. Remember, I said, we are here to collapse the false matrix. And not just we, a couple of rogue, maverick, crazy folk. This is ordained from God's source, creator consciousness itself. So what we're doing is we are participating in a great evolution of consciousness that is also called ascension. And at the ascension point, which is what we are rapidly moving towards, that timeline then splits off into two, which is amazing considering right now it's housing literally thousands of different timelines that are all collapsed into one place from those thousands of different timelines all of them were varying forms of manipulation just by the way all of those timelines were uh something that didn't work over here something that didn't work over there a redo over here a retry over there oh damn they for example their humanity started waking up so we've got to usher them back this way it was continually steering humanity into unconsciousness to prevent humanity from ascending but that is no longer possible to prevent our ascension is no longer a possibility it's now only a question of okay how many people are going to ascend not 
can we prevent it from happening or not? Nonetheless, in order for ascension to happen, what is ordained is that all timelines collapse into one space. And so then that, we move forward. Sorry, so that's not CERN manipulating things with it? Because a lot of people think it's thinks uh, CERN has something yeah. to do with that. Like those those little glitches are all natural. Um, yeah. and but, also but CERN was CERN was certainly part of those timeline wars they certainly did have the intention to use it it's just not possible anymore okay uh and i before i forget i wanted to ask you so so would you say that various resets have occurred on the planet but they were just like invisible to us and we woke yeah. up as any other day yeah absolutely is that what happened so in 2012 with the whole mayan calendar for me, what happened in 2012 with the Mayan calendar was, it was the end. It truly, truly was the end. That was the end of the false matrix and the beginning of all the timelines collapsing. And that's what that signified. And we all thought that we were going to see like some lights in the sky or that the world was going to end on that day. Because as human beings, we don't necessarily see the bigger picture. But 2012 was that. It was the beginning of the end or the end of the beginning, whichever way around you want to look at it. For the false matrix, that really signaled their collapse. And that's where they began to put in all measures to save the false matrix, to prevent the collapse of all of those timelines. But that has not worked out for them. They have all collapsed. We are sitting with many, many anomalies right now and many, many Mandela effects right now, things that cannot possibly be explained. So from the perspective of those dark controllers of the false matrix, what they're doing is they're saying, we would, okay, if ascension has to happen, can we just take at least some of the population with us then? Can we just go repopulate somewhere else? So they have many plans. I can't say absolutely yes or no whether those plans are going to work out. I can just see that they have a lot of plans because they're not the type to give up. Uh, they'll fight right till the very, very last. And that's really all that they can do right now is how many people can we manipulate into giving their power away, into seeing themselves as victims, into fighting against the system or against themselves? How many people can we take with us, basically? And then we've got the organic ascension, which is the organic raising of consciousness taking place at the same time, which is populated by people who are able to think for themselves, feel for themselves, decide for themselves, discern for themselves. Those are the people who lead themselves into ascension, which is basically out of the false matrix. I want to get more into ascension, but um, I wanted to ask you, a lot of people are in great fear. Um, because many offered their arm to a certain product uh, in the last few years. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's believed that that will possibly stop ascension or, um, you know, have some effect on, on the soul. Mm -hmm. What, what can you tell people who uh, are in fear of that? We live in a world where there is no shortage of somebody telling you, what to think, who to be, what to eat, when to exercise and how. There are people that write to me, I actually had one today, a woman saying, Kerry, I don't know what the hell to do. All the spiritual teachers tell me I've got to be a vegetarian, but my body rejects 
vegetables and fruit. And when I eat it, I have all of these symptoms, right? And she said, but I know, I know I've got to be a vegetarian if I want to ascend. And I know I can't eat meat, even though my body craves it. And I said, so could you just stop letting other people tell you when your body is so wise, your body is telling you, this doesn't work for me, but meat does. It's okay. Your judgment is really harmful. And the judgment of others, if they condemn you for your choices, is to their detriment. But don't take it on. Now, I say that to the backdrop of what I'm about to explain to you. And that is, there are so many people that are going to say, oh, you're not going to sin. You're not going to sin because you made a bad decision. Don't ever let other people tell you what's possible and what God is and what God ordains. There has to be that fighter spirit. I talk about spiritual warriors. You've got to be a warrior to navigate this path and not let people's hearsay detract you. There are going to be people that say, well, you've made this decision. It's all over for you now, baby. You belong to uh, the bad folks. If you believe that, if you buy into that, yes, yes, then it's true. But please, God, no, please, God, you've got a fighting spirit inside of you and you say no to hell with that. I won't let somebody tell me whether I'm going to ascend or not, whether I'm capable of ascending. And by the way, I've seen people literally with my own eyes pass away from this life. I've seen them pass away and ascend, because that's what happens to a lot of people who are passing right now. We're so close to the ascension window that those who were going to ascend or were able to ascend, they are just going to go straight into ascension before we even get there. So I've seen that happen. I've seen people who've made those so-called detrimental decisions. I have seen them ascend, but I will tell you, those people were badass people that wouldn't let anybody dictate their future for them. Mm -hmm. That's that's what it hinges upon. I think belief is so so important in this in this realm. Yeah. Uh, and I always t I tell that to my friends too is just believe that you are a superhero. You know, yeah. what what you believe absolutely matters. Um, and you know, here we call it we call it various things: the placebo, nocebo effect, and you know, we see instances of of that where our belief dictates what happens. Uh, and ultimately, I think you're right. I think the spirit uh, is far greater than anything some dark beings could concoct. <laughs> so I'm definitely on team spirit there. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. Um, so before I get more into the actual process of ascension and all that... Um, in relation to the the dark beings, there's there's a lot going on on the planet right now as far as um, UFOs and disclosure and things like that. I wanted to ask your opinion on that. What should we know about what's happening? Because it's it's my opinion that they're giving us their version of of disclosure, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, what are some key points to know during during that whole thing? And what are we? What do you think we're going to see with that whole thing? Yeah, I think. It, it's going to come back down to pretty much the same point already made. And that is don't let anybody else control your narrative. And you will see other people fall for the narrative. You will see other people buy into it. Don't stop them either from buying into it because 
free will. We don't have, we've never had galactic beings interfering with us and saying, don't believe that, don't believe that. We've had to make up our own mind about things. We have to be spiritually mature enough to do that. So if there are people that do buy in, because the reason I say this is because I don't want people to fight against other people's points of view. The best thing you can do is let them have their point of view. But you must be the example of a higher point of view. How does a higher point of view act? Does it act loving, kind, patient, tolerant? I hope so. Then be an example of that. Don't engage with, I'm right and you're wrong and this is what the government says, therefore it's true and what do you know? Just don't even go there. Just hold a higher frequency within your being. So yes, there's going to be an attempt to control the narrative. There's going to be a lot of people that buy into that attempt. And it's going to be frustrating for those of us who are on the outside knowing that it's complete baloney. It's going to be frustrating for us. But it's at that time that we must remember that our purpose is not to correct others, but to be the correction, be the remedy, and operate with a firm sense of knowing your own truth. Because that's ultimately the only way that you're not going to fall victim to somebody else trying to spin a narrative out there. The only way that you're going to be able to use this magical key called discernment is if you're able to spend the time. This is the groundwork we've all got to be doing right now. Spend the time connecting with yourself. Spend the time feeling, not thinking. Feeling, ah, oh, this is what I feel like on the inside. We all think that stuff. We think, oh, who am I on the inside? We try intellectualize who we are as multidimensional beings, which of course is a failing. If we allow ourselves to be first with discomfort, then and only then can we be with comfort. If we can allow ourselves to be with dis-ease, then we can be with ease. This is part of what we came here to learn, to learn to be where we are as we are. That gives us the tools to help us navigate the path forward. It gives us the tools to learn to connect with ourselves and from the connection with self at the level of feeling, not the level of intellect we then have discernment. Because then we can say, this feels like truth, that feels like a lie. And then we're gonna have the spiritual maturity to say, I'm not gonna condemn the lie, I'm just gonna see it and walk away. I'm not gonna buy into the lie. Mm -hmm. That's it. Do you think we'll see a time where they try to integrate um, other beings into the population here? It's on the agenda. It's definitely part of the plan of the false matrix. So it certainly is an agenda. I don't think that we're going to, I don't think it's going to go that far because my set, and I could be wrong. So I'm not, I'm not saying to you, this is hundred percent how it is. I know enough to know that we can't predict the time of when ascension is going to happen, which is when the plug is pulled on this whole experiment called the false matrix. But it is most certainly 100% part of the false matrices plan to integrate with other technologies and other beings into the physical biology. That is certainly part of the plan because that's how they think they're going to prolong 
the false matrix itself. Mm -hmm. I personally don't think that it's going to go quite that far, but I do think it's going to come dangerously close. And if you think about it right now, we're actually dangerously close. Right yeah. now, we're a little bit too too close, uh, much closer than most people realize. Mm -hmm. But nonetheless, that is most certainly a plan. Yeah. Yeah, seems like something strange is warming up for sure. Mm. Um, you mentioned disease or dis-ease. Uh, mm. I have to ask you, we... we um, deal a lot on this show with uh, viruses and disease and what what do we not know here in the matrix about dis-ease if you can that tell us all, anything that it's all energy that it all initiates and originates as energy and if you correct the energy at the energetic level you correct the disease at the physical level we on the planet are trying so hard to work at the physical level with the physical manifestation of an energetic disorder so it's an energetic malfunction an energetic distortion so if we could connect with ourselves as energy then we could connect with the distortion then we could correct the distortion and why do i say this because it's easy to work in the realm of energy because it's literally this it's the stuff in front of us it's so easy to work with i don't have to pick something up right it's not a physical thing if i'm trying to change this that's pretty difficult but if i bring energy into my bottle then i can change the structure of the water same thing if i can work with myself as an energetic being it's going to be a lot easier moving forward so if we understand that disease is dis ease it's something that is out of harmony and we can always interject more harmony that's really what disease is asking us. How can I find more harmony in this situation? What are the best ways to do that? Would you say meditating or how do you, how do, you do that practically? On a very practical level, time. Spend time. We're so used to spending money. Spend time with yourself at the level of feeling not the level of intellectualizing. One of the really great ways of doing that is guided meditation. Because a lot of people, when I say that, they don't even know how to start because they're so intellectual that if I say to them, okay, go spend time with yourself energetically, they go, that's that's hellish. That's actually scary because my mind is just, it won't yeah. shut up and it won't leave me alone. So for those people who are so far gone that they cannot get reprieve from the mind, that's the first thing you got, got, got to get. Reprieve from the chatterbox. So for that, two things are really good. Number one is guided meditation. Guided meditation is what I use to support people in getting out of the chatterbox into stillness, into the place where the mind doesn't speak, but where presence is felt. That's where you want to go. You want to go to the place beyond intellect that is an experience. It's an energetic experience of you. Not of anything else, not of anyone else, but you in your totality and multidimensionality. So guided meditation is the one technique that's really good, really easy, because you just have to listen to somebody's voice. And I've got one of those voices when I talk people into guided meditation, they go, oh, Carrie, I'm so sleepy, I'm so relaxed. And that's cool. Go there, go into that sleepy, relaxed, nice place. And what I find is that people go back to my meditations a couple of times and then they say, okay, now I'm not sleeping anymore. Now I'm actually staying awake. And now I'm actually hearing what you're saying. And now I'm getting the benefit of being awake, but out of the chatterbox. 
You're very powerful in that space. You're actually superhuman in that space because you've transcended the boundary of the false matrix. Another technique is your own breath. And that's why I said spend time. You don't even have to spend money if you don't want to. Spend time doing these things. Spend time just connecting with your breath. It's the most simple technique. You can do it when you brush your teeth. That you literally, and you're going to be, you're going to be brushing, right? But allow yourself to tune everything out to the point that you're just aware of the sound of your own breath. And you're not trying to change your breath and say, oh, I've got to have deep breath now. Just, this is my breath. This is where it is. Maybe it's shallow. Maybe it's deep. Maybe it's erratic. Just be with your breath. Because what that does is it teaches you the fine skill of connecting with yourself at the level of energy. And anything that's going to allow you to connect to yourself beyond the chatterbox is going to liberate you from the false matrix. So those are the two crazy simple techniques that I can give you. Meditate, do breath work, and those will help you to transcend the limited space that we were born into. You know what? The space that we were born into, it's kind of like a jail cell. We don't see it that way. Because hmm. we look out of our windows and we say, look at the mountains and look at the ocean. When you have the vantage point, which you will invariably have at some point, when you have the vantage point of your own higher consciousness, looking at your current day life, you're going to be astounded at how small the box is that you lived in, how small your thoughts were that kept you in that box. And then you're going to go, wow, I really am such a vast, infinite thing. The more we can connect to that, the more we're going to connect to our own wisdom and we're going to free ourselves from the inside. Freedom from the false matrix was never supposed to come from the outside. It was never a case of we're waiting for a UFO to come and fetch us, save us, fix us. You know, we're waiting for the angels to come and start their heavenly choir. All these things would be very cool. I'm going to welcome the angels. I'm going to welcome the UFOs. But I'm also going to say to them, don't you dare deprive me of my opportunity to uplift myself. Because that's what I came here for. We all did. And we're collapsing the false matrix from within. The architecture of the false matrix is our inner world. And when we collapse that into the light that we are, then that becomes externalized. Right? Makes sense. That's a wonderful point of view. And I just want to say one thing, piggybacking off of what you said about breath. Um, I love the root of words and the root of word. Uh, the root there is uh, respiration, right? They call it respiration because it's connected to spirit. Um, ah, right. Yes. I so love I think, that. I, I never saw there, that. I think there's a big connection there. Yeah, I was I, I go like hours sometimes just looking at the root, the root of oh, words yeah. and, and the etymology. Very, very cool. That's actually yeah. amazing because I always say to people when you meditate, so you're imagining uh, your, your, yourself connected to your breath, I say to people, feel the universe interwoven into your breath so that when you breathe in, it's so much more than air that you're breathing in, you're breathing in spirit. And that mm -hmm. really supports people in understanding that. But I love, I'm never going to forget that now, respiration. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so I want to... Uh go back into ascension 
um, because and and the actual event because you've you've seen this correct mm, yeah. um, from listening to your other videos you've talked quite a bit about it can you tell us what what this event of ascension will be like exactly what can we expect okay so this thing called ascension this thing called the event it is a shift in consciousness that happens inside the body normally to undertake such a shift in consciousness you would have to drop the body in other words you would die and be in a sense reborn as your spirit self that is normally what ascension that's the easy ascension journey what we're doing is different because we really are overachievers honestly as souls we undertook such a monumental task in coming here but i think we did this because we knew we could nonetheless ascension is the shift in frequency at the physical body level so that the physical body becomes a lighter bodied vehicle so not a light i, I don't want people to think that they're going to you know become pure light you're just going to become a lighter version of you physically so if your eyes right now saw another fifth dimensional body you would say i still see a body it's just there's something almost ethereal about that body you would also say i see such a symmetry in their face uh whereas here in the third dimension right everything is a little bit off key one eye is higher than the other one ear is bigger one side of the nose etc so mm -hmm. we're kind of used to everybody being a little bit off kilter but that's the signature of the false matrix as we ascend we will look different we will begin to revert back to our original blueprints we're going to look more like the soul self which still which you do right now however you look right now you still hold resemblance to your soul self it's just that the ascended body holds more of that resemblance you're going to have more symmetry in your face you're going to regress in age so for people who are over the age of like 32 you're going to regress to around about 29 to 32 that kind of age group so that's normally where people are very strong very healthy uh any kind of ailments diseases amputated limbs etc that's all healed so that's the outcome on the physical level the other outcome of ascension is that we are going to experience this planet in its original state which means planet earth without pollution planet earth without distortion planet earth outside the confines of the false matrix which is crazy wild beautiful gorgeous there are no words that could describe what that looks like because we're used to the prison cell view so we've looked at the prison cell and said oh it's so beautiful so imagine when we're outside the prison cell what we're going to say then because that is exquisite in 2016, I had the opportunity to undergo a ascension process. So what I did was I was given a bilocation event where I went forward in time to experience mass ascension. And my experience of mass ascension, I can tell you this, every time I go back to it, in other words, I, I fairly frequently get reviews of it. So I get to go back. Every time I do, I see ascension has moved slightly. So what I'm saying to you is I'm sharing a memory of how I experienced it, but I also understand that we are evolving and we're evolving exponentially. And as we do, we will shift ascension higher and higher. So this is 
a vantage point that I'm about to share with you that I experienced, but I'm not saying to you this is absolute and cast in stone. I believe that we still have room to grow and have an even higher outcome than the one I'm going to explain. So what happened was the sun went dark. The sun, for want of a better word, exploded. Big, radiant burst of light came upon the planet. And when it did, a lot of people went into a lot of panic. But a lot of people got really calm because something in them knew, ah, this is a cosmic event. Something in them could register higher frequency beings surrounding them, and they could begin to bring those higher frequency beings into view, and they calmed right down. Those people were in the process of ascending. And those of us that ascended, we had a kind of a light shoot out from within us. Round about here, we had a light shoot out and cause a, an eruption of an electromagnetic field to occur around the body. My very um, simple way of explaining this would be to say it's kind of like a bubble of energy, like a magnetic field that you're buffered into. Because when I describe to you the event, I'm describing to you a mass coronal ejection of the sun that in scientific terms is called a micronova. So many people would say that's extinction level stuff that no one, nothing, not even no one, no thing is going to survive that. We do survive that. Not everyone does, but we do. Those of us who are ascending, we do. And that is the mechanics of how we stay inside this bubble with our support team. And I know this is the most asked question, so I'm going to answer it before anyone asks. Yes, your dogs and your cats are with you. Yes, your children are with you. <laughs> okay. um, so, so let's let's just get that one out of the way. My bubble was huge. My husband was with me. My children were with me. My animals were with me. We were all in one bubble. It was a very heavenly, harmoniously heavenly event. And we were very aware of the world outside of our bubble being chaotic. We were very aware, but also absolutely unaffected by it, uh, absolutely aware that this was the final reckoning and this was where planet Earth was being restructured, as were our individual bodies. That's what was taking place. Our individual bodies were being restructured. Most of us laid down on tables like a healing bed. We had support beings working with us at the physical level to bring the restructure online, so to speak, into the body. And when we walked out of that bubble, Remember that time is not a linear thing, right? So I cannot tell you, was it a couple of seconds? Was it a couple of years? Was it a couple of thousand years? It felt, it felt like a couple of hours is what it felt like. I wouldn't even describe it as a couple of weeks. But when we walked out of that bubble, we walked out onto Eden. Just Eden. Pristine, beautiful planet Earth. So gracious, so great grateful we were also grateful to have the experience of the world we couldn't even imagine actually uh, but that we knew that we were now participating in we were very aware of other human beings coming out of their bubbles at the same time with huge excitement to meet them and be with them we could feel like all of the all of the illusion was gone and all that there was in its place was ease and peace like you asked me earlier you know uh why have we been here with all this hardship well it's a difficult thing to have been here with all this hardship but now we're going to have to acclimate ourselves to being here with all this grace 
to being here with all this ease, to being here with all this healing, with all this love. That's going to be the new journey that we pioneers of ascension undertake. But that's my short version of uh, what happens. That sounds lovely. Do you think I've been very fascinated by the sun because I've done a lot of research as it pertains to the last few years. Do you think that this has been a gradual thing like a leading up? Um, Because there was actually like a grand solar minimum in 2020. um, And that's been connected to uh, various bouts of disease or whatever they call uh viruses but um yeah it's what's the connection there yeah it's what it's part of the cyclical event and that's what ascension is ascension is a cyclical event and the sun governs that cycle and the sun we can see its cycles as it goes from solar maximum to solar minimum and and uh, all these very exciting events that happen in between Mm-hmm. When we start to understand that the sun is the signal, the sun is the stargate, because that's really what the sun is, through which the cosmic signal is delivered to the planet. And the cosmic signal is it's time. It's just that what when I said earlier, from the levels of higher consciousness, it is now ordained that we return back to our original creation template, that we are released from the false matrix. That mass ejection of light from the sun is exactly that signal. It is exactly that communication. And that signal comes from the galactic sun. And that signal comes from the universal sun. (coughs) This is all brought down onto our planet in one great solar flash. That's fascinating. Um, Do you think that there's anything that could stop that from happening? Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) My throat's getting a little bit tired. Um, Yeah, we're going to we're going to wrap up soon. (laughs) Sorry. No. Short answer. No, there was there really was at at a point and for a very, very long time. There was a a huge fight to stop ascension. It's absolutely not possible now. It's absolutely not possible. It will go forward. It's only how many people will go forward with it. Wonderful. Okay, Carrie. Well, I want to thank you so much for being here today. It's been wonderful listening to you. And uh, please let our listeners know where they can keep up with with your work. My website, kerryk.com, but Kerry with a K, everybody spells it with a C. So it's K-E-R-R-Y-K.com is my website. And you'll find all my links to social media there. Or if you're on TikTok, Instagram, wherever you are, YouTube, I am Kerry K. That's my handle. I am Kerry K. Great. Thanks again, Kerry. Thank you so much for being here. And I hope you come back and chat with us again sometime. I'd love to. Thank you so much for having me, Patrick. Lots of love. Very welcome. Thank you.